This is good old boy Mike from Sips, Suds, and Smokes podcast, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 168, The History of Game Shows. Chris McBrien, along with Derek Myers, and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Derek, how are you this week, my friend? I'm doing really well, Chris. How are you doing this week? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, I'm recording uh, how, my show the, with one of my best friends. Reno's, how, how's your place now? The Renos are done. No more floods? No, no more floods. I'm back in the house. Life is good. I'm recording the podcast. Everything's good. Were you able to get in any uh, pop culture this past week? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, unfortunately... Uh, I have to disappoint the, the listeners. I didn't have any time to watch any new documentaries this week. Oh, but so no I did, documentaries. I, I did convince my wife that she – well, I didn't have to convince her. But uh, mm-hmm. she started watching the McMillions documentary series that I had talked about six months back about the, the people that scammed the McDonald's Monopoly contest. Oh, yeah. And she I binged – yeah. yeah, she binged the entire six hours in one night yesterday, and she's like, "This is great!" And I was like, "I knew you'd love it." So, people who maybe haven't checked that out yet, uh, that's yeah. that's still a, a strong contender from me. So, was she loving it? I said that I'm like, yeah, yeah she's loving it. So, anyway, go. that's her. But for me, um, yes. I had a chance to watch a couple of movies this week. Um, I actually watched three movies. The first one I watched was the movie Creed. It's the the Rocky sequel that stars Michael B. Jordan as the son of Apollo Creed from uh, the Rocky franchise. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the movie, Chris? No. I mean, I've seen Rocky. <clears throat> of course, I've seen Rocky 3. I liked Rocky 3. It was great. And I saw Rocky 4. And that's it. That's all I've seen. I haven't seen You've the second You've never seen the one. original? Oh, no. I've seen Rocky, the original. Yeah, okay. it was good. I didn't. I never saw Rocky 2, but I saw Rocky 3. Rocky 3, I think, was the best one. Uh, they're, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed them all. They're very entertaining. Yeah. Uh, but like you, I, I am the tiger baby. Like yeah, for sure. You know. So anyway, I watched Creed, which I had actually seen before when it first came out on video and I remembered enjoying it. And then they did a sequel a few years later, Creed two. And I, I never saw the sequel and I noticed that, uh, on HBO, they'd been rerunning Creed two. It's been back in the lineup. And so I thought, you know what? I really want to watch it. I record, I put on my PVR and I thought, I don't remember Creed one well enough. So I went back and I actually watched Creed and then Creed two back to back on subsequent nights. And they were great. Like I, I really enjoyed them more than I remember. Like I enjoyed the first one more than I remembered enjoying it. And Creed two, I thought was a great sequel. And let me tell you, Michael B. Jordan, he is a fantastic performer. This guy is going to have a long and great career. And um, and not to mention, like, he is so jacked in this movie. Oh, my God, does he look fantastic in this film. Um, but, uh, yeah, Creed and Creed 2, they were both really, really good. And then I had a chance to go back uh, and also rewatch a movie I hadn't seen in a long time, Django Unchained, the Quentin Tarantino film starring Jamie Foxx. Have you seen it? So you know me. I don't watch too many movies after 1989, but I have seen that one, and it's fantastic. Okay, so, so I I know I saw it in the theater, mm-hmm. and I remember it being very long and very violent, very as, violent. as most Tarantino movies yeah. are. And I remembered 
enjoying it, but not loving it. And I don't remember ever seeing it a second time beyond my original theater experience of this film. And uh, out of the blue, uh, you know, it was in the lineup and I thought, you know what, I'm going to give it another try. And I loved it. And I'm like, I I watched it and I thought, this is way better than I remember being like, I thoroughly enjoyed it way more than I expected to. And uh, yeah, it was a very, very pleasant surprise that it, it, I, that I felt it was that good on a subsequent viewing. And um, yeah, I kind of feel like I've I'm almost cheated myself by not rewatching it before now. So I think I may have to go back and check out some of the other Tarantino films uh, that are a little more recent that I haven't watched in a while. Like Hateful Eight, I only saw the one time. And again, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Inglorious Bastards, I did not like, but I am willing to give it a second go around. But considering how much I like Django, I'm I'm – I think I got to go back and take another look at some of those ones. I, I haven't seen the Hateful Eight, but uh, Inglorious Bastards. I watched the the opening five minutes alone. Is oh worth yeah, watch it's so good. Oh man, that Christoph Waltz. Oh my goodness. Well, and he's what in an Django actor. Unchained as well. Yes, right? he like, was. He won an Oscar yeah. for it. It yeah. was uh, yeah. yeah. And I remembered his performance being strong. And I mean, Jamie Fox, that guy. Uh, you know, his performance is great. He's an Oscar winner. He can act. He can sing like he's the full deal. He's the full package. And so, you know, I was all in with the cast of this from day one. And uh, yeah, it, it, this is a tour de force. It, everybody brings their A game in this. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio is amazing. He's not in the movie nearly as much as I seem to remember him being in the movie. Samuel Jackson uh, plays a much older character than the actor actually is. And he does a great job. Even uh, Don Johnson has a small part in this that I totally forgot about. Um, no, this, it was solid. If you haven't seen Django Unchained or you haven't seen it in a while, I strongly recommend you go back and take another look. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised by how well it holds up and how good it was. So here's the thing for me, my wife and I, I think we're going to be looking for a new show to binge watch. So what we'd like to do is, and I don't know if anyone else does this, but we like to have one kind of serious show and then one like 30 minute comedy. And then sometimes we'll mix them up, you know, like one night we'll watch, you know, the the, the drama. They're usually an hour long and then we yeah. might throw a comedy in or the, the next night watch a comedy just to mix it up. So <clears throat> for the serious show, we've been watching Sons of Anarchy. And I got to be honest with you, like, it's just OK for me. You know, like it's I think it's got to the point where we're in season. We just finished season three. And for me, every episode's just the exact same. It's like, hey, you guys go here and you guys go over there. And, hey, man, you go back them up. Okay, let's vote. And then they all hug it out. And then they go and do crimes. And <laughs> so it's just the same thing every week. Like, it's just, I don't know. The show kind of sucks. So, and then for our comedy show, we had started watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And remember I mentioned I didn't really like it. And then yeah. a bunch of people reached out to me. And they sent emails and stuff, and they were like, no, no, you got to give it another chance. Give it another chance. So I did. Well, remember, I, I picked Captain Holt as one of my best supporting yes, characters on he's TV. He's so. very good. But he is very good. I, it's not just him. I, I actually, so I, I went back and gave it another chance. And, and I'm glad I did, because I, I like it a lot better now. Oh, good. Um, I think I was just really put off by Andy Samberg. Like, he just smirks and hams it up for the camera. And, and to me, it was just all a little bit off-putting. But the rest of the cast, just it, they're so good. I, yeah. I I think the rest of the cast makes him a bit more bearable. So I've been able to stick with that. And the other thing is I want to mention, I took your advice and I started watching WandaVision. 
Oh, now. Oh, okay. I, I got to hear this. Then. Yes. Okay. Now you got to keep in mind, I know next to nothing about the Marvel Cinematic Universe other than, um, oh, you had me watch Iron Man and Guardians of the Galaxy, of the Galaxy. for this podcast. Right. I really like WandaVision. And the thing is, it's good. And the thing is, I have no idea who these characters are. I have no idea what the hell is going on. There's literally zero frame of reference for me. But I feel like it's kind of a good thing. Uh, Yeah, I think that's why I suggested last week that you might like it. It it really leans on the nostalgia factor. And the fact that they don't really explain what's going on sort of it's either going to turn you off right away where you're like, I I don't get it. I'm done. Or I don't get it, but I kind of want to know where it's going. So I'm going to stick around. Yeah. Uh, So how many episodes have you watched? Just two. So I watched the first one. It was like black and white. It's like they were in um, the um, Dick Van Dyke show. show. And then the second one was almost like they were in Bewitched or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That was more the feel of it. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know where it's going or what's going on, but I, I, I get the feeling they're going to reveal a little bit more as they go. So it should be interesting. I'm really liking it. But if anyone has any suggestions for shows that, that my wife and I should, should start binge watching, just hit me up on Twitter at C McBrien, or you can email me Chris at pop And I'm open to suggestions. So as I mentioned, um, I feel like sons of anarchy kind of sucks now, but one thing that doesn't suck Here's your dad joke of the week. Yes, my dad joke. Oh, here we go. Okay, since we're doing a game, you know, game show kind of theme this week, I wanted to do a uh, a, a game show dad joke. Okay, Derek. Okay. Yeah. What do you call bugs on a game show? Um, uh, I I don't know. Contest ants. <laughs> Boo. Chris, come on. Last week's Contest ants, Carl. Contest ants. Star Trek could always see into the future, couldn't they? What do you have that we can slap Star Trek logos onto? Shatner's hair. The toys that made us. The TJ Hooker hair. TJ Hooker. I could have auxiliary power back in a few minutes. Yeah, no, I I, I really like it. Con! Why don't I give you a quick scan to make sure you're okay? Kirk got around a little bit. Go. Do you need a tranquilizer? Oh my God. All right. So this week we are going to talk about game shows. A little bit of the history of game shows and sort of the evolution of game shows over time and how much we like them. So um, I would say we could just kind of start with a little bit of the, the history of game shows and we'll really get into it. I will say there's been a few constants throughout my life when it comes to pop culture. And, you know, I think that that's pretty obvious considering, you know, I just watch the same movies, you know, and TV shows over. But one, one thing I've always liked is game shows. And this isn't going to be like a top five list, you know, of our favorite game shows. If you want that, you can go back and listen to episode 12 of this podcast. Uh, Yancey and I did our top five game shows of all time. But instead, I'd rather like take a little bit of look of kind of the evolution of game shows um like i say i've always liked game shows game shows are something you've enjoyed as well right oh yeah i i mean 
in our trivia segments, we often uh, uh, mirror some of the flavor of of some of the classic game shows of the day, and and we reference game shows all the time on uh, on this podcast. Uh, yeah, I, I love them. They're certainly one of my favorite genres of television. And you know, game shows when they first started out, you know, it was black when there was black and white TV with shows like You Bet Your Life and like What's My Line and stuff like that. But game shows for me, they well they kind of really evolved into something completely different, you know, and we'll get to that in a second. But I just, I want to mention like when, when they first came out, I think the studios basically, they had to come up with programming for housewives back in the sixties, you know, and the original game shows were kind of boring, kind of dumb to be honest. And I think it wasn't until the seventies, the game shows really took off. Um, the match game, for example, big in the 70s, right? But it actually started back in black and white, back in 1962. And what they would do is they used to just ask regular questions like, name a musical instrument. Like, boring, <laughs> dumb, yeah. right? Yeah. And then they started to kind of evolve it. And then it, they started to ask more risque questions like, Johnny liked to pour gravy on his blank, you know, and then, then all of a sudden it was like, or, you know, Johnny liked to put butter on his blank and it just opened up this, all these double entendres and, and it get a lot of laughs, right? So it really kind of transformed, you know, from the, the old into the new. And the thing was in the seventies, game shows really started to have some sort of, I guess you could say adult content in them, like things like the newlywood game. And, and like I say, Match Game and Tattletales all had this questionable content. Uh, remember when you were telling me about Buzzer TV? Yes. And you're like, hey, you got to watch this. They're showing these old shows from the 70s. Well, I recorded a bunch of those shows and I watched them with my 11-year-old son because I used to watch them when I was that age. I'm like, oh, you're going to love this. Let's just say it didn't go over very well with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I understand, like some of the content on Tattletales and Match Game was more than just a little bit lewd and and like i say my wife got really mad at me and the one the one was the worst so we're watching the newlywed game remember the remember the newlywed show oh yeah and bob eubanks says where's the strangest place you've ever made whoopee as if i'm not in enough trouble for that the wife answers in the (laughs) (laughs) that's one of the all-time best unscripted answers ever <laughs> so it's on buzzer tv let's uh, just say let's just say that watching old game shows is off the table in my house for the foreseeable oh, future so so chris one yes. of the things that i think we we need to talk about a little bit <laughs> is the subdivision of game shows within game shows like so game show is a very broad category and over the years has become an even more broad category. But I think within the game show classification, there are sub classifications. So one of the big distinctions that that I've always felt is there are game shows and there are quiz shows where the game shows Mm. are things like you were talking about. There are things like um, the match game where you have some celebrities come on and you, or you're the newlywed game where you, you know, it's more about getting unscripted answers and double entendres and having fun with it. It's more like a, party atmosphere mm-hmm. yeah whereas you have more like you have quiz shows where contestants are rewarded 
for things they know, whether it's the price is right, you know the price of the thing, whether it's Jeopardy, whether it's Wheel of Fortune where you can fill in the blanks and answer the puzzles, um, as opposed to some of the more um, unscripted sort of party, loosey-goosey style game shows. And I, I mean, I love them all. But I know for me personally, I've always preferred uh, the quiz show types because I've that's how I always liked to enjoy my game show was that idea of participation at home. You play along with the contestants. And I think that's what's been very appealing about game shows right from the beginning is you can watch and play from home. Now, you don't have any stakes in what's happening. You're not going to win a prize. But it's fun to feel that you are – you know, superior to the contestant. Hey, I knew the answer and the contestant didn't. I would have won the million dollars. And I think that's a big part of the appeal of game shows and always has been was this idea of of a participation, of a passive participation from your living room while watching it at home. And I, I think that's a big reason why game shows have lasted the test of time and why they continue to be very, very popular is is people enjoy that idea of feeling like they're a part of it, even when you're really not. It's interesting that you mention those quiz ones, you know, like the ones that take some skill on behalf of the contestants. And you said you like those ones best. I like the other ones best. And I, I, I like the, the, the quiz ones. I mean, I enjoy those as well. But I like the other ones better because the other ones were more like, they're a little bit more entertaining. It's more entertainment, I guess, than than a game show so much. And the other thing that I like is, as you know, I love nostalgia and I love kind of that campiness that kind of came with it. And to me, it's just a trip back in time. Like when I watch Match Game, like you can just see it's it's a slice of life from the 70s from a completely different time. Like they're well, making like they're making fun of the uh, Fanny Flag's chest and like Richard's smoking and Brett's drunk. And it's just like, what's going on? Like there's no way this would fly today. And I think that's why I don't like the remakes because they don't capture that essence of time. So. Yeah. And the shag carpet on the, oh, the yes. side of the match game. I love it. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I, I can see what you're saying. And, and there's definitely that appeal to me. So as you had mentioned, we get on reruns on, on cable TV, we can get reruns of game shows from the seventies and eighties pretty regularly. Now they're, they're made available on a few different, uh, uh, channels. And so one of the game shows that I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more is that I love is the family feud. Oh, yes. and it has lived on in some iteration, you know, for, 40 years. Uh, the format of the show has been very consistent, but even and the writing has changed though. They've we'll had to, to change that. the oh, yeah, and the they've had to, obviously so they've bad. changed the hosts over time yeah, um, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, and and the 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 coloring and the flavor of the set has changed. But at its heart, you know, you have your family of five people. They're going to answer questions, top however many answers on the board, and you you know out of a hundred, and you're you're trying to get the most number of points. But I watched some of those Family Feud episodes from the '70s and '80s, and the answers people give are very telling of the kind of, of environment that they're in, the world they're in, the time they're in. It's, oh, yeah. it's, it's very much a slice of Americana. It's, you know, the kinds of, uh, the kinds of things that they, that the people say and the way that you can watch an episode from 1981 and they ask a question and you see what the responses are. And tomorrow I can watch a new episode where, with Steve Harvey where they ask a hundred people that exact same question this year. And the answers are completely different just because of people's, you know, people's environment, the way perception of events, sure. whatever. So it's, it's, you know, I can still, 
I can still enjoy the kind of thing you're talking about where you get that nostalgia factor by watching the old game shows um, simply by the kinds of questions they ask. Like a lot of the shows ask pop culture questions. Well, if the show was recorded in 1983, the pop culture questions are all about 1983. If you don't know what happened in 1983, that's not going to help you now. (laughs) And for me, that's half the fun is is they ask questions and you're like, you know, on on the show Dynasty, name three of the actors. I'm like, uh... (laughs) Uh, I have no idea. And of course the people are, are, they know it because it's big, it's big to them at the time in that right. moment. And, and that's part of what I like about watching some of these old game shows is, is to me, I'm curious, like what kind of questions do they ask them in 1979? Oh, well, that's interesting. So. I'm glad you mentioned family feud because I, I like the old family feuds. Uh, Richard Dawson was, was his version was great. And even when they brought on Ray Combs, it was so good, but it was all because of the writing. The writing was so good. And by the writing, I mean the quality of the questions that, yes. you know, were so good. When I watched the new iterations of the show, they suck. And it's because the, the questions are crappy. But um, one thing that just stood out to me when you mentioned that, I remember with Family Feud, there was one that I'll never forget. There was this family on there and, and they asked the question, what's something that makes for a good party? And the guy's like, women. It was like such a 70s answer. And then the next question they asked. I'm was, sure it was on the board too. <laughs> it, it was not. It should have been. It was oh, 70s. But then one of the other questions was they asked the same family, the same guy. They said, what's something that you say to your coworkers first thing Monday morning? <laughs> and he's like, and he buzzed it. They're like, yeah. He's like, did you get drunk? I'm like, oh my God, I was just rolling on the floor. Anyway, this was back in the time where people had no, no fear that what they said would be, would live around forever. Right. They're like, yeah, it's going to air once. No one else is ever going to see it or hear it. Whereas today, 40, 40 years later, I mentioned this, this is some guy that lives in the States. A couple of my favorite family feud dance. And let me tell you, if you want to have a good time uh, and I've done this more than once, have a couple of drinks. And then go on YouTube and look up the best family feud fast money answers. And you can find like videos that are 10 and 12 minutes long. And it's the best clips from the entire run of the show ever. And there's apparently they did a family feud in in the UK. So you have a British version of the show. It works exactly the same way. But and you get like all these bizarre and risque answers. It's hilarious. But anyway, a couple of my absolute favorites. The. (laughs) They during the fast money, Richard Dawson, he's asking the woman the questions and he says the month in which a woman starts to show during a pregnancy. And she says, September. (laughs) Richard Dawson loses his mind. The, The audience is laughing. Richard Dawson literally falls on the floor laughing and. He's like waving at the producers like, okay, you got to stop the clock on this one. Like, you know, everybody's laughing and it takes the woman a minute to realize what they wanted was like, you know, third month, fourth month. And she says September. Anyway, it takes him a minute to compose himself. He gets back up and he tries to read her the last two questions and he can't even get through those even after a bit. And so they keep laughing and they stop. So they finally get it under control. They, they, they just throw the clock out the window. They're like, when you can finally, they give her a chance to answer the last two questions, which she finally does. Then they, they bring out the person who's been in the back with the headphones on, who has no idea what's happened. 
soon as Richard Dawson gets to that question, he can't even finish the question. He just bursts out laughing. The audience is laughing. The families are laughing. This poor woman is like freaking out on. She's like, you know, because she's thinking I have 10 seconds to answer these questions. What's wrong with you? It's it is a spectacle. Oh, my God. It is so funny to watch. So I, I would strongly encourage you to look up that one on YouTube. Oh, for sure. There's tons of good stuff on uh, on YouTube with some of these old game shows. But Family Feud, I just want to stay on this for a second. So just Family Feud came about because of the match game. And it's not just Richard Dawson, okay? Because Richard Dawson was on the match game, obviously, and then got the job doing Family Feud. But there, if you ever remember watching Match Game, They'd have the two contestants going, and whatever contestant matched the most after two rounds would go on and play what was called Super Match. And they'd right. go up, and they got to pick uh, a couple different celebrities to give them suggestions. And then they would try to, you know, match with the Super Match. But the way the Super Match worked was they pulled the studio audience and got got the top three answers and put them on the board. And you had to match. And you would get like $100, $250, or $500. And that part of the game, they evolved into Family Feud. That's where Family Feud came from, was from that game. And they were like, hey, we this is another game. We can just keep polling the audience and then get somebody on, get you know people to come on and try and guess the answer. So that's how the evolution of that. I have a question for you that we mentioned quiz game shows, you know, kind of the campy fun game shows. What makes a good game show? So I think... There's a there's a number of things that can go into this. And I mean, it's not just a single formula or else they would have they would have completely cracked it. I mean, there needs to be a certain amount of originality. But I think anything where the audience can can feel invested in the show, whether it's they're trying to answer the questions or whether it's they they have a a desire to watch this person win something that's so outrageous that you just like the who wants to be a millionaire is a good example of that. Like people as much as you want to answer along with the question, the idea that a guy can win a million bucks over the course of an hour is thrilling. You, you're like, you're right there with them going like, man, this would be awesome. It's a person I've never met wins a million bucks. Like how thrilling is that to, to feel like you are a part of this moment? You're not getting any of that million bucks, but just the, the idea that you can, you can empathize with the contestants and that you, you have a desire to watch them win or the other way, something like the gong show where you're just like, I can't wait for this guy to get gonged. Nothing's going to make me happier than watching this guy get kicked off this show. So to have that emotional connection, either for or against the contestants, I think is, is a big one in the case of quiz shows, being able to participate in a way uh, that makes you feel like you're a part of the show. Like I think, Something like Jeopardy is a good one where they they literally they just, here's the answer. Give us the question. And it's just, you know, over the course of the show, you get these 60 questions and you can just play along. Uh, it's super simple formula. Um, or you get something like um, Password where the audience, you at home can see it. They even go, they go, the password is sandwiches. And then you can watch along and, and – but meanwhile, the people in the studio have no idea. And so it's – again, it's this little bit of the pull back the curtain of I can play at home because I know something they don't know. Remember – sorry to get, jump in. Yeah. It's such a good point. Remember when – remember the $100,000 Pyramid, one of my favorite shows? I yeah. used to cover up the bottom of the screen with my hand. So yeah, I couldn't my see – yeah, and then try to guess along with them. So you're right. Yeah. No, when my wife and I – because she likes game shows as well, not nearly as much as I do. But um, whenever we watch Pyramid and they get to the to the, the fast money part of the Pyramid, we look at each other and we go, okay, who's playing and who's watching? Because sometimes I'll get the answer before the contestant. And so I, I, you know, I need to know that I've got the right answer, so I stop guessing. So usually – 
you honestly, when it comes to that, usually I say, I want to play. And the wife's like, fine, you like game shows, go ahead. And then, you know, I'll say like, oh, things at a wedding. And she'll be like, that's right. And then I have to listen to like five more clues before the person on TV either gets it or says pass, pass. Um, yeah. Some of the things that I think that make a good game show, the host, number one. I think oh, it's really sure. important. The format, which you touch base on. And the other one that I think is important is the set. You know, like, like especially when I, I look- don't know that that I think I could argue either way. I think a good set certainly helps create a, um, like a visual impression. But I think you can have a great show that has a very boring set. But I think you can have a boring show with a great set that you might remember more fondly than it really was. It doesn't have to be an elaborate set. It just has to be True. memorable. And the thing is, is when they we went through a period of time where they started to remake a lot of the game shows. And for me, it's like a, it's like three legs on a stool. You need the host, the format and and the set. And if you don't have one of those things working, it just doesn't work. And that's one of the things that I didn't like about a lot of the remakes. Um when they remember the game show network, you you watch the game show network, right? Yeah, I, th- believe it or not, I no longer have the game show network simply because they changed the one that's available in Canada, which I believe is slightly different than the one in the U.S. When they first made it available, it was nothing but those old game shows, and between that and the music video channel, I didn't watch anything else. Then yep. they took away my music video channel, and the game show network started doing quote original programming. That sucked. So I'm like, well, I'm not paying for this channel. So now I don't have that one either. It came out around 2000, somewhere around there, or maybe just a bit, bit before, or a bit after. Um, and you're right. When the Game Show Network first came out, they started out by only showing old shows from the 70s and 80s. It was great. And then for fantastic. some reason, like you mentioned, they got this bright idea that they should create their own content. And and it sucked. And and a lot of it was they were just rehashing old game shows with new versions. I remember they did Lingo and Chain Reaction, which were both Canadian game shows. And the original they, Lingo I liked a lot with Chuck I did Worley. Uh, no, uh, no, that's the remake. That's a remake? That's a remake. So it was originally a Canadian game show. Oh, what the hell was the guy's name that hosted? It was done out in BC. And, and, and they, yeah, they remade it on there. And then... The other thing that the Game Show Network did, you touch base on, was that they kind of made their own. Like they came up with their own shows. What, well, because that's how they generate money, right? It's, if, if they own the, yeah, it's a dollars and cents decision. If they own the content, then right. they can, they, they're going to generate more money as opposed to paying a licensing fee to show old ones. So, I, I mean, I don't fault them for wanting to do original programming, but you lost someone like me who had previously been paying a subscription fee and been subjected to your advertisements by not giving me the whole thing that I want out of a game show network, which is classic game shows. I'm not saying I need them all day long, but when the only classic game show you show is a family feud and they're not even that quote classic, you're showing me like older ones from five years ago. I'm out. I'm all out. I know. Um, There was one new one that they came up with. I can't remember what it was called. It'll come to me. Um, They had these contestants and they would answer trivia questions. And if they got it wrong, they dropped them down a hole. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like they dropped pitfall. No, because that was the Canadian game, Pitfall, yeah. with Alex Trebek. With Alex Trebek, yeah. If they, if they got it wrong, they went down really slowly down an elevator. They went yeah. down the floor. But in this one, if you got it wrong, you fell through a trap door, like never to be seen again. I want to say it was called Russian Roulette. I don't know if that was Damn. right. But, okay. Um, so you know how I have the CTV throwback app. I've mentioned, I love it, right? Yes. Yep. So I put it on the other day, and I'm flipping through it, and, and I look on the icon, and it says, The Gong Show which you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, 
what the hell is this? Because it, it looks different. It's not the one with, with Chuck Barris and J.P. Morgan and, you know, the, the yeah, yeah. you know. So I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, who the hell is the host? He looks weird. So I put it on and it's Mike Myers. And what? he's in, he, yes. And he's in this prosthetic. Oh, makeup. yeah. And he's yeah. playing like some British guy that he's, he's some character he's come up with. And it's too bad because I put it on and the kids really liked watching it. But it, the thing is, it tries to be like those 70s shows. So it gets all like lewd. And of course, my wife steps in and goes, turn it off, you know, <laughs> but it was, but it was pretty good. Um, so you mentioned, uh, um, uh, you know, Family Feud. That's been redone how many times? And I remember To Tell the Truth was an old show and they remade it around oh, no, late 90s with John O'Hurley. And now they've remade it again with, um, oh, what's the actor's name? It escapes me. Something Alexander. It's it's okay. It's nothing great. Um, and Match Game, I always think of it as the original, but it, in 1990, they came out with a new version with Ross Schaefer. He was Canadian. Do you ever remember there's a Canadian show called Love Me, Love Me Not, where they ran around the, the flowers? Nope. Do he, not remember that. He was the host of that. He hosted Match Game, and then Michael Berger, and then I think Ricky Lake, and then Alec Baldwin does Alec it Baldwin's hosting it now, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's not good. It doesn't have that same campiness no. to it. Even Let's Make a Deal was originally done with with Monty Hall, you know, yep. the Canadian from Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they remade it with Wayne Brady. And I like Wayne, Wayne Brady. Brady. I think he's great. But it just doesn't work. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think some of these shows, it was like capturing lightning in a bottle. And it just, it was the right place, the right time, the right host, the right format, whatever. And it's, it, it, in some cases, the idea doesn't, translate as well to a more modern audience um and and that's why you are seeing a lot of them get remade and fail but get remade again because there's the potential that if they can get it right they'll have a hit uh but unfortunately i think some of them it's just uh you know they're not quite making the mark like the let's make a deal is on every day before the price is right uh on morning tv and i guess it's fairly cheap to produce and there's not a lot of competition, so it probably does pretty well in the ratings. And again, a lot of the decisions are, are dollars and cents decisions, so it doesn't surprise me that, that show is is still there. And and it's like you said, Wayne Brady is a good host. He's a good host of that show, and that's certainly helping to prop it up. Again, it, it was never my favorite show on the best of times, but um, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of the remake of that one. One of my favorite parts of game shows from the 70s and 80s were the quote-unquote celebrities that they yes. would get on. Like, that was the best. They were the, a bunch of these Z-list actors that were just doing the job because it paid scale. And if you think about um, the original match game, or the one in the 70s, Richard Dawson, you know, was on there, obviously. And mm-hmm. the only reason he was on there was because he played this, you know, little character, Newkirk, in Hogan's Heroes. Hogan's he was, Heroes, He yeah. was like a B-lister. Yeah. And, and even on, on match game, um, Brett Summers was so yeah. good. She was only on the show because the producers wanted Jack Klugman because he would, he'd been in uh, 12 Angry Men and he was in The Odd Couple. Uh-huh. And he said, I'll come on the show on one condition. You bring my wife on. And it was, he was married to Brett Summers at the time. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So okay. He, I so, knew Brett Summers was a staple and, and uh, uh, Charles Nelson Riley. Charles Nelson Spike. Riley. Was, but Brett Summers only came on because her husband insisted that he came. And the thing was, Jack Klugman just wasn't a fit for the show. You know, no, he just didn't no. fit, but Brett Summers was perfect. And then, like you mentioned, Charles Nelson Riley, oh he was absolutely perfect, perfect. for the yeah, show. Perfect. Like, perfect. Like, yeah. my God, he was funny. Um, we make no bones about her, and we're Canadian. And there was, 
actually a couple of really, really good Canadian game shows. You mentioned Pitfall. That's where Alex Trebek uh, is. We'll get to my favorite one in a bit, but you start with your list. Well, I've got a whole bunch. Remember Definition? Yep. And the the thing with Definition that made it so funny was well, it had a great theme song that would later got sampled into like a rap song. But yep. Um, and the then prizes. was used in the Austin Powers movies. Yes, you're right. You're right because you know Mike Myers being Canadian and all. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. The prizes on that show used to kill me because you, as a as a kid growing up in Canada, you'd watch you know the American game shows and you'd watch people win a car, you know, or you know ten thousand dollars, you know, back in the seventies, yep. and then you watch Definition and they win like pantyhose. <laughs> like the worst prizes yeah. ever. There was, there was the, Chris, yeah. there's an old joke and I'm probably going to screw it up and I apologize, but it's like, there's two game show hosts walking down the street and one, you know, Canadian and American game show hosts, they bump into each other and they're like, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. And the Canadian guy says, the American guy, what's new with you? And the American game show host says, I'm driving here in my new car today. And he goes, that's great. What's new with you? Canadian game show host. And he goes, I'm wearing my new toque. <laughs> exactly and that's pretty much the that's that's exactly it it's like the u.s shows had the dollars and boom the prizes were great the canadian show not so much there was a, a show out of toronto called just yep. like mom do you remember oh that show i had a buddy who was on it and we never let him live it down oh man it was like it was fergie Oliver who used to do some of the the jays games and mm-hmm. it was like him and his wife and they they had like families on and, and like he was so creepy it was like it was like yeah oh, it's, it's, your it's very creepy to oh. see and they show the old ones on reruns and they've rebooted that show more than once it's currently in it's been recycled right now they call it just like mom and dad oh, and you yeah, can come on with either or both of your parents yeah I, i've never watched it because again i'm like it, it it was not really a show that appealed to me as a child or as an adult again because i don't have kids i couldn't really care less but uh yeah. there was there was a canadian show called talk about I remember that one. I like that one. I liked it too. And and the same host, um, I want to say his name was, oh, Wayne something or other. He was out, he, he's out in Vancouver now doing like the, the weather and the news out there. And he did another show called Acting Crazy. And it was like these people that. and they would do um, charades. Yes. And then you mentioned Monty Hall. He did another show called Split Second. I don't think a lot of people remember. And there was a show called The Liars Club. Do you remember the Liars Club? Mm-hmm. Yep. And they would have the, like yeah. weird items and they'd pass it around and they would like say what it was. And then you had to guess which one was right. But the one I wanted to mention from Canadian Game Show was one called Reach for the Top. Do you know uh, Reach for the Top? You ever hear of it? I. It sounds familiar. Tell me a little bit about it. So it was high school students and high oh, school yes. students would go on yes. and it was trivia based. It would be this school yeah. versus this school. And they would ask really tough trivia questions. The reason I bring it up is because I was on the reach for the top team for my high school when I was in high school because I always liked trivia and I was good at it. And I actually got kicked off my team for reach for the top. And Did I, they catch I, you using steroids, Chris? No, no. <laughs> the thing was, I, I contest this to this day. So we're in trials for the TV show and we're getting ready to, you know, because we were, you know, you had to qualify to get on TV, right? And so I'm doing it with my team. And they asked the question, what does the uh, acronym SNAFU stand for? And so I buzzed and I said, situation normal, all f- up. And I got thrown off my team for saying that. That's and they said, they said, no, it's situation normal, all fouled up. And as a result, I used the F word and I got kicked off my reach for the top team. But I contested it because I was like, that's what it stands for. That's the real thing and i got in an argument with them and i got kicked off my team so i got kicked <laughs> off reach for the top so 
Ah, okay. Can you back me up? Snafu, that's what it stands for, right? Oh, that is absolutely what it stands for. But I would think that by high school, you should have realized that that, you know, using the F word on TV was probably not going to be acceptable. (laughs) And you should have subbed it in with another word that began with F, which I know you would have known at least one of those. So they should should have just just beeped it out like our producers do just did. So, um. So the other uh, one of the Canadian TV, a couple of the other Canadian Mm -hmm. game shows, there was another one that was filmed here in Toronto called Jackpot. Mm. And I remember one of my friend's moms went on there and she won like five grand or something. That was the one with the riddles, right? Yes. Here's my riddle. And they all had numbers and you go, I pick number six. Okay, this is my riddle. And then if you got the jackpot riddle, you would switch places with that person and you would win the jackpot money. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I remember one of my buddies, his mom went on there and it was like you had the same group of contestants on for a whole week because it could take a week before you know you were asked your riddle and and all the rest of that and i remember she didn't get asked until the very last day and then she ended up winning a bunch of money so he was it was was pretty exciting one of one of my favorites it's super cheesy i want to think it was from quebec because the cheesiest game shows always were the they were out of quebec but they were in english but it was very clear that uh there was a lot of uh, uh, cultural uh, uh, mis- misunderstandings. So some of the game shows were a little bizarre. It was basically, so it was called The Mad Dash. And at the beginning yes. of the show, they would go, welcome to The Mad. And everyone in the audience would go, Dash. And it was basically a game board that was built for real people. So you played in pairs and w- and usually it was a married couple. And the, the one person would be there and answer the trivia questions and roll a, a giant die if they got the question right. And the other partner was on the game board as the game playing piece. And they would take that many steps forward or backward on the game board. And then when you'd land there, you would either get a prize or there would be like a little skill testing challenge of some sort. Like it's, you know, here you've got to throw three uh, basketballs through a hoop or something. Or you've got to, you know, like a -a whack-a-mole. You got to hit them in a certain amount of time. Some little stupid challenging thing. And then if you manage to get your partner all the way through the game board, you won all the prizes they collected along the way. It was super cheesy. And it, it just, I always thought it was fun. I always thought the idea of getting to be an actual piece on the game board as a person, just as a little kid, thrilled me to no end. But I've seen some of the the clips in replay, like on YouTube and on some of the classic game shows. And it's like, oh boy, this, this game show kind of sucked. And the prizes were <laughs> awful. You would get thrilled. It's like, you've won a... $200 vacuum cleaner. cleaner from yeah. Sears and you've won a, you know, you've won a rolling pin and you've won. And it's like, you've won a grand total cash and prizes of $325. And the people would lose their mind. I'm like, you won 300 bucks. Like I just watched the prices, right? The guy won a car and a trip to Hawaii. Like you got hoes, man. So we mentioned some of the things that make for a good game show are, you know, the hosts and the set and the format. <clears throat> Which hosts do you think were some of the best ones? Not to like do like a top five list or something. Maybe we'll do that at some point. But who were some of the best game show hosts for you? Like, I know what mine were. Well, I mean, the ones that were quick on their feet uh, were always were always good. Um, so, I mean, we've already talked about Richard Dawson. And I think we 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 previously have talked about Alex Trebek on a numerous occasions um, that, uh, you know, just the the gravitas that he brought to jeopardy all mm-hmm. those years is is unparalleled um but then you have the ones like um bob eubanks from the the uh, newlywed show was always good with a little quip here and there yeah. and if nothing else uh, he had such a great voice i think a lot of them yes. had really good voices right yeah and i think and i think that's uh that's certainly part but some of them maybe weren't uh great 
hosts per se, but had great names. I always liked the host Wink Martindale. Oh yeah, Wink Martindale from it was yeah. Tic Tac Doe for yep. many years. It was like just some of the game show host names were kind of ridiculous. Um, yeah, I mean, um, those are probably the ones that come to mind. The guy from the Match Game, I can't think of his. Um, what's Ray his name? Holmes. No, Gene Rayburn. Is that his name? Oh no, oh, Match Game. Sorry, uh, Gene game, Rayburn. Sorry. Yeah, he was one yeah. of the best. I don't know. know. He. I'm sort of hot and cold on him. I think it depends on the day of the week, but most times I'm not a big fan of his, which I think is a big part of why I never really clicked with that show is I was just never really a fan of him. I like the panel and I like the idea of the panel giving like weird and bizarre answers, but I I just never felt, I personally never thought that he was a great host. That long, thin microphone that he used to use. Remember that? He invented that. Yeah. Bob, I'm sorry. Bob Barker. Price oh, Bob right. Barker. Bob He's got to be course. one of the greatest, one of, the greatest. of all time, despite the fact that there was certainly some some later in life shenanigans about his treatment of some of the female mm-hmm. co- co-stars. I mean, hey, people do some shady things sometimes, but what we saw on screen was always uh, uh, very professional. Um, and uh, and he, he was great at that job, despite any other possible issues that he may have had behind the scenes. And, and one I want to mention is Burt Convy. I think Burt Convy was one of the best and because he did so many of them. He was so prolific um, he, and he was just so likable, you know, and he just kept things flowing. And so I thought Burt Convy was really good. I'm glad you mentioned Bob Barker because I will mention that I do think uh, there, you could also look at the worst game show hosts. And I like him as a comedian. I liked his TV show. I liked him on Whose Line. But Drew Carey, I think, is awful as a, as a host. And you just got to compare him to Bob Barker. To know, like Drew Carey, just I don't know, he just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, it's he he does an adequate job, but uh, yeah, I've never I have not yet warmed up to Drew Carey as the host of Price is Right, and my wife watches it. Like we usually have it on in the morning if we're if we're if we're in the room where the TV is between eleven and twelve o'clock because there's nothing else on at that time. So we usually just throw it on because despite his his pluses and minuses as a host. I've always liked the prices, right? I like the games. And for years when I was in high school and my first couple of years of university, I used to work at Canadian tire and I often would work in the, um, the housewares department. So it was like all the cleaning products, all the pots and pans, like everything that you would find in a home. And it was a lot of, uh, sort of grocery type items that you can get that have long shelf lives. So I always was very good at the prices, right? Because I had a pretty good sense of what the items cost. And now that I'm a little older and I do my own grocery shopping, that helps too. So, you know, it's just there's something about that show where you can play along and and feel a little superior when like, how much do you think this can of soup costs? Is it more or less than three dollars? The guy's like, I think soup's twelve dollars. So that's over. And you're like, really? You really think soup is twelve dollars? You clearly do not shop for groceries in your household. Uh, Um, I'll come back to that in one second with price. I just want to also mention not to dwell on the worst, but the worst game show host for me of all time was Louis Anderson. So oh, Louis Anderson took over the family feud from 99 to 2002. Yeah. He was awful. Like he was not good. The worst game show host I've ever seen. But you mentioned the price is right. You've liked the price is right for many years. If you're like me, you watched it when you were a kid and you, yeah. you obviously still like it today. What's your favorite? Do you have some favorite games on the price is right? Um, I, I definitely like more of the older games. One of the things, mm-hmm. so I, I want to shift before I really answer your question here. Cause I don't want to, I want to lose sight of this. There's a definitely been an evolution in game shows around how they award prizes and the kinds of prizes they award. And 
this idea of playing along at home and as a as a viewer feeling rewarded and excited for the contestant. And I feel that The Price is Right is a good example of this where today's games on The Price is Right usually just come down to a coin toss. Here's two fantastic prizes, a big screen TV and a trip to Hawaii. All you need to tell us is which one costs more, which I guess does take a little bit of skill. But at the end of the day, it's just you're doing a random pick and you win a big prize. And it's like if you get it right, you get both prizes. To me, that's it doesn't really challenge like sure. Hey, it's challenging in the sense that they want to win the prize. But where's the skill? Where's the where's the, the challenge? I find a lot of the older prices, right? Games actually required you to have a fundamental knowledge of the price of goods. Here are six things. You need to know which four of these are all going to come in under three bucks. Okay, yeah, sure, you could guess. But if you do some grocery shopping on a regular basis, you're going to know that a pack of gum is a dollar nine, and that comes in under your two bucks, and that, you know, the bag of cookies is $6 and is not. Um, so I, I don't have a particular, to answer your question, I don't have a particular, this was my favorite but there's a lot that I like and it's mostly the old ones. And unfortunately we don't see a lot of them anymore because people tended not to win on them very much because they were difficult. Yeah. I, I don't know if I have a favorite, but I have some that I really liked. So hole in one, I always liked. And I liked all the old ones where Bob Barker would do the putt himself. Yeah. And yeah. then remember cliffhanger. That was another good one with the yodeler. Yeah. And then he would fall right off. That was they good. still play that one. Yeah. The but they range. Made the range they made the range bigger though for the, for like the range game and the yodeler, they've I think with the yodeler you you had to be within a certain number of dollars and the guy would take a step for each dollar that you were away from your your guess. I think they now give you more steps before he falls off the ledge. Maybe again they're trying to make it easier. Well, maybe it's yeah, like you said, they're trying to make things easier, or also because you know money is you know a different value yeah, now than it was. Um, there was one where they had the big red dice. Remember, and they'd roll them inside that thing. I think it was called Let Them Roll. And then they'd try and figure out the, they, they'd stick the dice into like this square on the thing. And, oh, yeah. And there was one where you'd punch the holes. Yeah, take the punch them. out. They still do that one. Yep. And then there was the shell game. And I think one of my favorite ones, I, I don't know if it was called 10 Chances or something. And you get like three digits and you'd have to pick two in the right order. So it'd be like a three, a five, and a one. You'd be like, uh, it was fifteen dollars, and you write and it with a marker, and then you'd push a button, and it would drop oh, down. Yeah, that, yeah, they definitely was don't good. play that one anymore. I yeah. always thought everything on the Price Is Right was way overpriced. Every uh, time to I a watch, certain extent, yeah. I, I'd yeah. be like, 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 like a couch is eight thousand dollars in nineteen seventy nine. Really? Like, I don't know some of it. Um, well, there, there was a, and I mentioned this on the show way back. There was a documentary about a year ago. I think it was on Netflix about a guy who went on The Price Is Right, and he he basically was like, it was his passion. He watched every day, he recorded episodes, he played back, and he made a giant list of all the prizes and realized they were giving away the same prizes over and over and over again. And the prices on those prizes never changed. So he's like, if I can get on, I know the exact prices of these things. I'm going to win a big, win a bundle. And then it was this whole scandal where he was helping somebody else because he, you couldn't be on the show more than once or twice or something. And so he was able to be in the audience, but not be on the show. And he was feeding the answers to the guy on the, on the thing. And the guy ended up getting the final showcase showdown like within like two bucks or something and um they just they accused this guy of cheating and yeah it was a, again you know me and my documentaries mm-hmm. uh, for life of me i can't remember what it's called but if you type family feud documentary you'll be able to find it i'm fairly certain it was from netflix it was really good that wasn't the only game show scandal either remember the movie quiz show 
love back that in '94. That I was love it. that was like back. I never saw it, but it was about the, the game shows in the in the, in the '50s, right? Where the producers were like giving answers to the contestants and yeah. scamming the thing out of money. And there was a guy named Michael Larson in the '80s, and he figured out the pattern to the light board in Press Your Luck. Yeah, oh, he yeah. memorized it, and then he went on the show and he won big. So I mean, there's been game sh- you know scandals over the years. One so one thing, yeah. Sorry, before you go on, I want to just touch back on this idea of the of the scandal in the quiz yeah. show and sort of the 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 repercussions of this. So quiz show, uh, I believe, was directed by Robert Redford. Uh, stars Ray Fiennes. Yeah. It's uh, it's great. I love it. It's it's one of those. I don't want to say one of my all-time favorites, but if I see it in the lineup, I watch it. And I don't own a copy of it, and it's one of those ones that I haven't seen in a long time. And honestly, I was going to get you to watch this uh, in the not-too-distant future for this podcast, but I've been having a hard time finding a copy of it, to be honest with you. But in any case, one of the things that they talk about towards the end of the Quiz Show movie is they say – you know, they expose that there was this cheating and they're, they say like, well, why were they doing it? And they're like, well, we wanted the contestants to win because it's good entertainment. They were making more money off their ad revenues to have a good television show that they didn't mind giving away the prizes. They were making more money in the average. And again, it all comes down to dollars and cents. And so they, you know, there was like this epilogue where they're like, well, why did they, why were they doing it? Why, you know, why give them? They're like, we wanted them to win. And they're like, well, now that you've been caught, what are you going to do? And they're like, we're just going to make it easier. You know, we realized we didn't have to give them, the, we didn't have to ask incredibly hard questions and feed them the answers to make them look smarter than everyone else. We just had to make the questions easier. Now we don't have to give them the answers. We know they're going to know the answers because we're making it easier to win. And this is a problem I have with modern game shows for a lot of them is they have dumbed down the show so much because it's good TV to see people win these prizes. And hey, I, I'm guilty of enjoying the show, the show more when people are winning big prizes. Like when I watch The Price is Right, like new episodes, and they're like, it's new car week. Every game we're gonna give away a car. It's like, I love it when all six people win a car. It's entertaining. But it comes down to all these stupid games where it's just like, uh, do you want one or two? Two, oh, that's the right number, you win a car. It's like. There's not a lot of skill in that. You're not asking them anything difficult. You're not asking them to perform a task or answer a question. And this is, I think, why I like some of these older game shows more is there's a genuine uh, – they ask genuine questions. The people on the show have to actually know stuff. And I think the contestants on the shows today, you know, because people have a smartphone in their pocket – they're less invested in learning and memorizing and knowing trivia. They feel if I need to know this, I'm going to look it up. And that's fair, but it makes for boring television if the questions are so dumb and so easy and so simple that literally anyone can answer the question. And I think that's a big failing of today's shows is the the, the producers are more interested in making sure the contestants are more often than not going to win the big prize because it's good television than they are about making an entertaining show. So. And, and game shows kind of evolved, you know, in some cases that weren't even really game shows. They called them game shows, but they weren't. And this goes back. Remember back in the 70s, they had Battle of the Network Stars. Oh, it wasn't yeah. really a game show. It was almost like a reality show. And remember Love Connection and yeah. Studs? I was never a fan of the Love Connection, but yeah. I, I know a lot of people that really enjoyed it. American Gladiators or even Survivor. Like, it's not really a game show. But they kind of like, like, you know, market it as such. But they're around- okay, hang on. Let me ask yeah. you this then. Uh, 
in so this this I think is this discussion that sort of loops back something I said earlier. You have the game show umbrella, and then mm-hmm. under that, over time, subgenres of game shows have have come to life over the years. What about something like uh, a cooking show, like Chopped on the Food Network, is a show that my wife and I really enjoy. We watch it all the time. And when we when I was talking to my wife about what we what our topic was earlier, she had mentioned that she says, like, if you're doing a top five list, consider putting chopped on the list because I know how much you enjoy it. And and we had this side discussion about, like, is that is that a game show? And I think it it definitely falls under the game show umbrella, but it is certainly more of that reality competition show. But it has what I like in that the contestants have to have some skill to win that show and to win that prize and to win the money. And so that's the question I've got to you, Chris, is assuming you're familiar with the show chop, do you think mm-hmm. something like that would be considered a game show? I know the, the show chop because the Canadian version, a buddy of mine was on that show. Um, I don't really think that it is a game show per se. I think it's more of a competition, like a you reality know? competition yeah, show. That's what I think it is. But I, I would put that under the larger umbrella of game show. Sure. I may not call it a game yeah. show, but it really it, it borrows from all the things that the game shows that came before it have established. And they've sort of leaned on that model just enough. Again, Food Network, they got to make it about food. And the Food Network has a bunch of just like guys, grocery games and things like that. Or again, I don't know if you'd call them game shows per se, but they definitely borrow from the idea of the game show. You know, game shows were king for a long time and they dominated TV and then they just kind of died. And it was around 99, 98, 99. um, They had this huge resurgence all because of one show. Who wants to be a millionaire, which you mentioned already. And the thing was, it was so popular. It led to a whole bunch of other shows that kind of mimicked it. Like there was the weakest link. Remember greed and deal or no deal. The thing is like for me, at least none of them really captured sort of the glee, you know, of the, of the seventies shows. Yeah. Yeah. Like those old game shows were all about having fun and, and and they didn't take themselves too seriously, but all these new shows that were coming out around that time, around the early two thousands, they were serious and they were kind of epic. You know, yeah, I mean, the, yeah. the set of who wants to be a millionaire probably cost millions of dollars to build. The The old match game set was a bunch of plywood panels, shag rug and cheap microphones. So I don't know. Hey, um, one thing we, we yeah. haven't really touched on. I know we're sort of getting to the end here, but what about game show theme music? Oh, some of the, some of their themes are the best ever. Some I was going to say you you had, you had your your three legged stool of this is what makes a good game show. Yeah, I How think you're right. How important do you think the theme music is? Let's make for a, a four legged stool. I think okay. it's got to be a four legged. That's a great point. There there were some great themes, and, and and some of the most memorable game shows I think had the best themes. Whether it was just something even like like uh, like obviously Match Game and Family Feud. You know, Family Feud had that Southern kind of feel yep. to it and match game was great and had the whole kind of wah pedal guitar of the 70s the, the hundred thousand dollar pyramid always oh, had its classic that, music it was just price is right i mean price again, is some right. of the some of these shows that have had the longevity is is due to all the things we've mentioned and i think in some cases that theme music has become so iconic that if you can just hear a few notes of of a of a theme from a game show and know it instantly like in my mind that's made it a hit 
Uh, and that's, again, one of the things I love when I watch some of these classic game shows that maybe I haven't seen in a long time. And I'm thinking to myself, am I going to like this? Is this going to hold up? Do I remember it? When I hear the music, like the intro music for the game show, if it, you know, gives me a warm fuzzy inside, then I know I'm like, okay, the music is obviously a big part of why I remembered enjoying this show. And I sit down and I give it a try. And, and some shows have it, some shows don't. And, uh, I think, I think it's a very important part of, uh, of what makes a great game show. Oh, for sure. Even the primetime shows like Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy, like, you know, that theme music, it's just, it's iconic. You know, like yeah. I said, I, I think there's some game shows I want to touch base on that I think people have maybe forgotten about, you know, and I, I want to take a little trip down memory lane because, you know. Like, so I, do I when you're done. I have a, something a little different, but okay, yeah, cool. Let, let's do you first. Uh, classic Concentration. It was hosted by Alex Trebek. Yep. And they would reveal these squares. And then there was like a rebus puzzle. Oh, the, yeah, 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 yeah. You'd have to solve it. It'd be like the number two plus clothes plus the number four plus a comb plus a four. Oh, it's too close for comfort. And you'd, you'd have to figure it out. Right. Um, password, password plus super password. I mentioned that earlier. So good. The password is bananas. Do you remember there was a show Scrabble? Yeah. I, I, as a Chuck terrible Willery. speller. I like that show. My mom loves it. It's our all-time favorite board game. She loved Chuck Rollery. was her favorite game show host of all time. And like Didn't it, last it long. all the boxes. She loved it. I remember as a little kid, I think it was on at noon. And so we used to get I off I think school. it only lasted about a year, year and a half or so. Yeah, but it was on over yeah. the lunch hour because we yeah. would come running home from, from school at lunch to, to, to have lunch. And my mom was always like had that on and we would be able, that was like a little treat is we were able to eat lunch in front of the TV, which at that time we were never able to do if Scrabble was on. And yeah, I, I just, I, and again, it's, it's, you might know the, the answer, but if you can't spell the word, you lose. And it, it's just reinforces that idea of the things that I like in a game show that you need some skill in order to be able to win. Blockbusters. Remember that one? Yes. With Bill Cullen. That was good. You mentioned another one that I thought uh, came to mind was Tic-Tac-Doe. Yeah. Another one I think a lot of people forget about. You remember Win Ben Stein's Money? One I actually really like that. I used to record them because at the end he would do the top 10 test of knowledge. It was just as, as fast as you can, 10 questions. Yep. And the problem with that show was he was so much smarter than most of the contestants. Nobody ever beat him. And we used to, my buddies and I used to record it and we would watch them back and it was, yeah. That's where uh, he, Jimmy Kimmel got to start, right? Yeah, he was doing that yeah. and the man show at the same yeah. time. And another one is win, loser draw. So we mentioned before, Burt Reynolds, we like Burt Reynolds around here. Mm -hmm. You know, he was the biggest movie star in the world, you know, from like 78 to 81, 82. And then, you know, his, sort of his shtick, you know, was he made movies for the NASCAR demographic and it got old pretty quick. So he found himself in some sort of, you know, financial trouble with the IRS and, and, and he needed cash. And and he had a game that he used to play at home with his friends, people like Don DeLuise and Vicki Lawrence. And he turned it into a game show and that was win, lose or draw. And I remember the men wore the black jackets. Remember with the shiny baby blue sleeves? Yep. And the girls had the black jackets with the shiny pink sleeves and they played that. So again, another show that I think people kind of forget about, but you can find all, all this stuff on YouTube. I know because I've gone down those rabbit holes. Oh yeah. Before. So have I. Yeah. There's, so good. there's a, there's a very deep game show rabbit hole. You can go down on YouTube that just never seems to end. And if you've, 
you've had a few beverages before you start it. Some Even of those better. funny things are way funnier. So, Chris, one last thing I want to just yeah. hit on. So one of the shows that that uh, that I have uh, recording on my PVR every week is this show called The Very, Very Best of the 1970s. Oh, and nice. every week they do a top 10 list. And it's just a again, it's a nostalgia walk down memory lane, something from the 70s. And one of the episodes that was on recently was the best 70s game shows. Oh, God, that'd be so good. I'm just going to read you the top the, the list. It's a top. Oh, give it to I'm me. Start yeah. at, I'm going to start at 10 and okay. go down to number one. I'm, if we had had more time, I would try and have you guess them. And I'm sure you'd guess them all. Probably. But we've hit on most of these. So this again, this is just like a user. People get to vote online. Okay. So uh, starting at 10. Let's make a deal. Okay. The dating game. Mm-hmm. The gong show. Nice. Name that tune. Oh, yes. That was more 60s. Yep. Match game. Match game, of course. The $10,000 pyramid. Match game should be higher, but okay. Yep. The newlywed game. Yep. Number three, family feud. Mm-hmm. Number two, Hollywood squares. Which uh, not. I was never a huge fan of Hollywood squares. I was never a huge fan of yeah. that either. And the number one show, according to the, to the viewers, was The Price is Right. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I, I think most of the seven, the good 70 shows are represented on the list. They may not be in the order that we would select them, but it's it's a pretty solid list. So that being said, what would you say is your personal favorite? Do you have a personal favorite or personal favorites? So I, I do. Uh, so one of the shows that I is sort of like my guilty pleasure show is the original Press Your Luck. Big oh, box, no whammy. Peter Tamarkin. Yep. Yes. R.A.P. No longer with us. Um and one of the th- so as a kid, I liked it because I liked the animation of the whammies, which, you know, uh, it was fun. It was you watched it. I liked game shows and they had the little that was, whammies. sorry. That was Sergio Aragonas from Mad Magazine. that did. That. I believe it was. Yep. Yes. He also did and, Gru. The comic yes. Yep. Gru the Wanderer. Yes. And the whammies were always like uh, blowing up or crashing. Yep. And many of them were referencing pop culture. So there was like a Michael Jackson whammy and a right. board. Boy, he would moonwalk in and take yeah, and they yeah. would like and so I always as a little kid I always thought that was kind of clever and funny but when I've been watching them as an adult now I actually enjoy the trivia segment at the beginning they ask them four pop culture questions yep. and if you buzz in before you get any like if you know it you buzz in you say the answer is this and if you're right you get three spins mm-hmm. and if you don't know it they give you three multiple choice answers and if you get it right you get one spin right and again it's a slice of Americana from the early 80s because the questions are usually very topical and timely yeah so now i watch the show and i think oh i know all sorts of pop culture stuff but it's like some of them are very specific to that era so i have a lot of fun going back and watching those and then of course they go through the board and they hit the whammies and your big bucks and and you know again it's you play at home the guys you know impress my luck it's like you have ten thousand dollars what do you want to do and i'm like pass those spins don't lose your money you greedy bastard and he's like i'm gonna press it i'm like you deserve to lose hit the whammy hit the whammy and then the guy hits the whammy and you're like i told you you were gonna hit a whammy so just just i love that show that's my all-time favorite and i have seen the episodes where the guy cheated and won the hundred grand they didn't air it on tv they did like a special years and years ago they're like the top 25 best game shows of all time. And they literally just showed an episode of each of 25 game shows over the course of the two months they aired this show. And they showed that episode where the guy wins a hundred grand as the representative show of press your luck. So I, I've seen it one time for me. If, if I had to pick my favorite in regard to gameplay, it would be the hundred thousand dollar pyramid. I just, it's so good. It's a good pick, solid pick. But I think in terms of entertainment value, I might even have a tie between Match Game and Tattletales. 
Ugh. I don't like either of those. Oh, because like my, the favorite thing for me of the game shows from you know from that era was the camp and the cheesiness of the whole thing that the B-list celebrities, the cheesy sets, the raunchy humor. They were like drinking and smoking on set. It just it it's it's like a slice of time from back then. And when I go back and watch it, it just I find it to be just so funny. So I would say those two are probably my favorites. But anyway, on that note, let's have some fun. With Caveman. Okay, so Derek, we've talked about this game uh, a couple times tonight, and I mentioned it as one of my favorites, and that is the $100,000 Pyramid. So I felt it was only appropriate that I made you sit in the hot seat tonight and do a round of the winner's circle of the $100,000 Pyramid. <laughs> All right, Derek, are you strapped in and ready to go? Oh, yeah. I, I'm so pumped for this. I was, Chris, I was. Now, we don't talk about nope. what the trivia is going to be before. Yeah, we just right. say, are you doing it? Am I doing it? Yep. So when we had discussed doing game shows as a topic in my mind, I thought, oh, I hope Chris puts me in the $100,000 pyramid at the end for the trivia. I hope, I hope, I hope. So, yeah, you totally made my night. So, right. yeah, well, I am you, ready to rock and roll. You got your wish. So are you ready? We're going to try to go to the top of the pyramid. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you um, uh, lists and you have to guess the category. Okay. There's six categories in total. Okay. And if you can make it to the top of the pyramid in 60 seconds, you win $100,000. Okay. So, okay. again, in, in past times when we've done this, you know, I've given you sort of an overarching kind of theme for it. Not this time. It's just you got to okay. try. It's like a regular game show. Get to okay. guess the categories. Okay. Are you ready? Ready. Go. Bacon, eggs, cereal. Things you have for breakfast. Yes. The waitress, the waiter, the manager. People in a restaurant. Yes. I'm round and I'm flat and I'm in your drawer and you take me out and put your dinner on me. What is a plate? A dinner plate. Things a dinner plate would say. Yes. Um, the bathers, the towels, the, the sand, the water. Things at the beach. Yes. Um, your misplaced keys. Things you look for. Your Things mom. you lose. Yes. Things you can't find. Yes. A syringe, a, an old record player. Things with a needle. Yes. Like record time. Ooh, I think we might have beat Billy Crystal on that round. We're close. We were close. Uh, Chris, Ooh. you can make that check out to Derek Myers. That's M Y E R S. Don't put the extra E in there. <laughs> make you sure you invest it wisely. I'm good either way, man. Whatever works for you. <laughs> Nicely done. So uh, no, just no clues or anything. You just the categories could be anything. You did great. Nice. You should go on that show. Oh real. yeah. Well, we that'd just be, did. So that'd be a lot of fun. All right. Well, we had lots of fun talking about game shows. So next week, we're going to come back with a movie review. And it's over to you, my friend, Derek. What movie would you like to review here on the podcast next week? I have to go back and watch this movie. And then we're going to talk all about it next week. So what do you got? Right. So uh, I, I wanted to move away from the dark, post-apocalyptic, futuristic, horror, sci-fi genres that we've been uh, visiting of late. On behalf of myself, my wife... And everyone else, thank you. 
Oh, well, don't thank me till you hear the title I'm giving you. <laughs> So oh, I wanted no. to move into a comedy. I narrowed it down to a few, but I think the one I've landed on is the uh, 2012 film from Family Guy creator Seth MacFarlane. The movie is called Ted. It stars Mark Wahlberg as uh, as a guy who makes a wish as a little kid and his teddy bear comes to life. And then the story moves ahead. And now he's an adult with a talking teddy bear as his best friend. It's called Ted. It came out in 2012, written and directed by Seth MacFarlane. Seth MacFarlane does the voice of the teddy bear Ted. It's it's one of uh, my my uh, I don't want, it's one of my favorite more recent comedies. I find that there aren't a lot of good comedies being produced these days. In my mind, this is one think? that really that really works for me. I mean, I really like Family Guy. I really like American Dad. I find that Seth MacFarlane's humor uh, really appeals to me, and I think Ted is uh, is a good is sort of his you know some of the best of his best. He's done a few other films, uh, uh, A Thousand Ways to Die in the West or Ten Thousand Ways to Die in the West is not bad, but is is a little more niche and and not, I didn't think, not as funny. But Ted, I think, really holds up. And in fact, I actually enjoy Ted 2, the sequel, more than I like this first one. But I think this first one's pretty strong. So uh, you should have no problem finding it. I'm sure it's available on Netflix or Amazon or one of those ones. Uh, Take a watch. Let me know what you think of it. We'll come back next week and uh, you can tell me uh, what you think about the movie about the talking teddy bear called Ted. Nice. You don't nominate a lot of comedies. So this should be good. I'm looking forward well, to it. Yeah. I mean, I I try. I know you've got the 70s and 80s covered and I try to look for movies that are a little more recent. And honestly, I haven't really found a lot of comedies in the more recent vein that I've enjoyed enough that I'd want you to watch. And that's because they don't make good comedies anymore. Well, or they, well, they we'll tend to sort of they tend to retread on some of the stuff that's come mm-hmm. before. You get a lot of the same formulas, or you get a you know an updated version of like they did an upgrade of the vacation film, and it's like, eh. So anyway, we'll talk all about this next week, Ten. and I hope you enjoy it. And in fact, I hope you enjoy it enough that it motivates you to then go and watch a sequel. Because like I said, I actually like Ted Two more than I like Ted One. But we can talk about that the reasons why next week when we when we come back and talk about Ted. Come back and listen to our TED talk. Exactly. exactly. So the, all right. Uh, next week we're coming come back and we're going to talk about Ted. Until then, this is Chris McBrien for Derek Myers saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. Music.